Hello and welcome to the Founded and Grounded podcast. We take the real world experiences of an established entrepreneur or founder and share with you their learnings, their wisdom and everything else in between so that you may apply these to your own circumstances, whether in business or if you just love a good success story, then this is the podcast for you. We're on season three and this is episode eight. I'm Andrew Parsonage. A very warm welcome to you wherever you're listening to us. Thank you for being part of the show and giving up 40 minutes of your day to join with us. It's not just me, of course, because I'm delighted to say that actually out there online somewhere, because we are recording virtually today, sadly, is co-presenter, my co-producer and a beacon to founders everywhere, Mr. Ollie Collard. Good morning, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm very well. We did actually have the option of recording this in the garage today, but it would have been like minus five degrees or something and not particularly great as a listener experience. Yeah, it would have been a very short program, put it that way. <laughs> and also joining us online, but from a different part of the country, many miles away in deepest Bevature is our community lead, Samantha Miles. Hi, Andrew. How do we find you this morning, this beautiful morning? How are you doing? Okay. It's good. We've got some sunshine, haven't we? In the deepest part of winter, it's a slight miracle, but I'm enjoying it. How are you coping with the winter, Samantha? How are you keeping your spirits up? I'd say not well. I hate the winter, I hate the cold, but the sunshine's helping, so uh, it's all right right now. Excellent. Well, we're going to be touching upon this a little bit later. There's a reason for asking, by the way. So we'll be touching upon <laughs> this later. It's one of the themes of the podcast that we'll be covering. And Samantha also will be joining us later in the show to talk about your feedback to our previous episode, and in particular, the question posed by our last entrepreneur. Right, Ollie, so here we go, episode eight then, and a very different sort of episode today. We have another entrepreneur, another inspiring individual, but this person doing something very different to maybe some of our previous guests. And certainly a theme of this show is very much around humanitarian entrepreneurship, isn't it? 100%. We featured lots of businesses previously, and some have got a, a social purpose at the heart of what they do. In terms of today's founder, he's very much doing something that is a community interest company and essentially trying to benefit people around the world. Okay, well, let's not leave the listeners guessing any further. Please, Ollie, would you reveal the name of this episode's mystery guest entrepreneur? Sure. So I caught up with Nav, who is founder of the Washing Machine Project. And it's a great story. It really is a really interesting story and something very different and quite unique, I'd say, of all the episodes we've done so far. So looking forward to hearing about this one. You caught up with Nav recently. And as we do with all our episodes, we start at the beginning. We try and understand the origins of that entrepreneur's journey and how they came to be where they are today. So this is what Nav had to say about the Washing Machine Project. My name is Nav and it means new in Punjabi and I've always been obsessed with uh, new and innovative things from a very young age. My father was an aerospace engineer and for as long as I could remember he um, used to take me to air shows. I'd be obsessed with how these big aircraft would be in the sky. I'd come home, I'd take out the toolbox from the shed and I'd break apart everything. And I was really interested in how things worked. And they used to make my mum really angry. And that was really the start of my kind of inquisitive mind and and my engineering mindset. Um, my father died when I was very young. And 
my mum and my two sisters single-handedly brought me up in London, where I was born. And so I knew from a very early age the, the, the importance and power of women in the household. My father and, and my mother's family were displaced uh, during the partition in India uh, 73 years ago. And uh, they, they had to flee their homes with the clothes on their back. And I know the, the effect that displacement has on, on, on families' lives. So, you know, uh, engineering, women empowerment and refugees have always been an, a kind of undercurrent of my interests um, going, growing up. I studied engineering, aerospace engineering in London. I joined one of the world's best graduate programs. Uh, it was a global technology company based in Bristol. I had such an amazing time there. I was there for about three, three and a half years. And I learned a lot about product development. But I realized that every kind of good bit of engineering that I'm doing is, is just making a vacuum cleaner for a rich person. So I decided to quit my job because I wanted my engineering to help people. I found myself uh, moving out to South India to a place called Tamil Nadu. Uh, I was making cook stoves there for a year and a half. And um, this experience completely transformed my life. And I was living in a very rural village with very limited resource. I, you know, I mean, it was really bad. There was no continuous running electricity, no continuous running water. Sanitation was quite poor. And I really understood like how large parts of the world live uh, and I and I really took for granted but my friendship with my neighbor my next door neighbor a lady called uh, Divya completely transformed the way I look looked at innovation and and Divya was a 30 something stay at home mum who spoke perfect english learnt in high school but never used since she wanted to work, but didn't have the time because she was always looking after her, her, her two kids. Um, she got married at the age of 16. She um, uh, would spend hours a day collecting water, foraging for wood to cook her food or, or hand washing her clothes. And so it was through seeing Divya's like daily struggles and my friendship with her and wanting to come up with a solution for, for Divya that I, that I promised her a manual washing machine. I promised her this back in 2018, and, and that's when I started the Washing Machine Project. And the Washing Machine Project's mission is simple. We design, create, manufacture, distribute manual crank handle washing machines for, you know, 70% of the world, people like Divya around the world, who, who have to hand wash their clothes. And this burden is disproportionately placed on women. That's where we, where we started. Wow, such a powerful story, Nav, and um, the, the difference your your project is actually making to everyday people's lives is incredible. So really, really good to hear. So when you went from making that promise to actually starting to think seriously about taking it to the next step? Yeah, as you know, Oli, I mean, this, this burden is quite widespread. It's, it's prevalent and it's actually almost quite daunting, right? The problem is just too big. Me on my own, I can't fix this alone, you know. So I realized very early on that if I'm going to do this, I'm going to need some help. And so my first task that I set myself was really to try and understand who who do I need. 
around me that's going to help. So I, I, I contacted a couple of my friends from my previous job. We just sat around by mum's kitchen table in London at the time and we were just kind of brainstorming of how this might work in the future and like what kind of you know designs may be worth pursuing. And we saw this salad spinner in the kitchen and we thought, wow, this, this might be quite interesting to explore. We did so much research. I mean, since 2018, we've traveled to 12 countries and interviewed 2,500 families. But, you know, we would just at every opportunity, but go to a different country and, and just learn, learn the problem, understand the consumer, understand what the what the problem is and how can how can we be a part of the the solution. And then the final thing is, is, is putting together a prototype this this prototype um, we we literally put together in, in a weekend. Um, we were invited by one of my my friends on the on a master's course I was studying. I was studying uh, humanitarianism at uh, University of Bath. One of my good friends on that course, uh, he uh, had a very high profile job in in one of the agencies in Iraq, and he invited us to Iraq and said, "Hey." showcase your prototype to our refugees and see if they see if they like it and at the time it was just an idea we didn't have anything physical but we literally worked night and day for a weekend and and put this this prototype together we put our clothes in the prototype we pack it packaged it and took it on the plane with us to iraq it looked very dodgy (laughs) and uh we spent five days in refugee camps in kurdistan the hook went to five different refugee camps. We interviewed 79 families. And, you know, there's an over overarching feeling that this is a good idea. The approach works and, and people wanted a, 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 an alternative to hand-washing clothes. And that was like the very, very early days. Uh, within three or four months, it was starting. Amazing. And how did you take that initial prototype to market then? So we knew we were onto something. And we knew that that people wanted something different, and we didn't know what the final solution was, and we probably still don't know now either, because it might change. You know, one of the best pieces of advice that was given to me was fall in love with the problem because the solution is always going to change. You know, and and I think that's so prevalent in in what we're doing at the Washing Machine Project because our solution has changed three times. The next thing was, you know, making sure that there's the right resource and, and funding in place. So we, we spent a long time trying to get people involved, uh, interested parties and, and other donors and sponsors and, and things like that. And we managed to get some pilot funding from Oxfam to do a pilot of 50 machines. At that time, like, we weren't ready at all. But, you know, I had this hunch that we needed to do something. We needed to move, you know. We made those 50 machines and we learned so much from a manufacturing point of view, supply chain and delivery and then distribution and, and following up on the distribution. We got real hand, real, like real first-hand data on people interacting with the product, which is really important because quite often people think that, you know, poor people, they don't mind having poor quality goods, but actually that's not true. You know, they, they have so much pride, more pride than anyone that I've ever experienced in my life because that's all they have to hold on to. But what was really interesting is this, the traction that, that's been building on the washing machine project has been so amazing and to have so much support from 
people around the world as we continue to pilot. So we've finished our third pilot now in Iraq, where we've distributed our 150th machine. It's called the Divya 1.5, named after the inspiration behind the machine. And now we're, we've, we've got about a thousand orders in, in six countries. And we're in this kind of post, post-pilot, pre-production scale-up phase where there's so much demand and the yeah. supply is, um, it, will, it will be coming uh, in quarter two next year. But yeah, that, that's, that's where we're at right now. Amazing, Lav. And what advice would you pass on for doing so much customer engagement? One of my biggest key advice that was given to me and I'd love to pass on to your listeners is that when you create something, who are you creating it for? Like really hyper-focused on, on what this what this consumer's journey is, what makes them tick, what was the problem that they have and how, why are you, why are you best placed to, to come up with that solution? So I think a lot of energy needs to be focused on the customer discovery element to any sorts of organization or, or startup because quite often people focus on the product but actually it's the product fit that's the most important thing i think we can create the best washing machine out there but if divya and her friends don't don't use the machine then there's absolutely no point why are we why are we doing what we do so ollie as i said at the beginning it's a very powerful story we talk a lot about when entrepreneurs go into business and when they start out on the on the journey there are triggers involved or there are very strong reasons why they do what they do. And it's very different for each entrepreneur that we speak with. And here, there were three reasons given for Nav doing what he's doing now. And it comes down to engineering, women in a position of power and responsibility and the plight of refugees. And I think it's quite a unique combination for going to, into business. But I don't really see this as business. I see it as a, a bit of a mission as well. 100%. And Nav is very passionate about solving this massive problem that 70% of the world don't have access to a washing machine. And what he's doing by implementing his innovative design is that actually making a massive difference to everyday people's lives, giving them time back, saving them money, and actually facilitating a better way of living. Now, whilst I was saying just a moment ago that this is a very unique scenario, I think some of the things that Nav spoke to a lot of other entrepreneurs and people who go into business for themselves would would echo. And in particular, the point that he said of where he felt engineering was making vacuum cleaners for rich people. And that seems to echo a lot of sentiments around, actually, I don't want to make someone else richer, or I don't want to just simply make our shareholders better off. I want to actually go out there and do something meaningful and make the world richer in, in, a, in a broader sense. Yeah, and I think he just became obviously disillusioned with what he was doing. He's obviously a very skilled engineer, but he wanted to do something more and have more impact in the world. And obviously going back to India and meeting his next door neighbor, Divya, who's named the actual project after, I think is, yeah, just giving him that meaning and that drive and that passion to really make a difference in the world. Yeah. I thought it was brilliant how you name your product after the person that gave you the inspiration in the first place. So that, that was fantastic. Ollie, I know when you speak with the various entrepreneurs, one of the things you ask them first is what problem they're trying to solve here. But the problem's pretty obvious because and it's quite a shocking statistic in many ways. 70%, 70% of the world's population doesn't have access to a washing machine, which is quite, when you think about it, it's quite, it's quite shocking, really. That is quite telling in this day and age that, you know, 
we're talking about the world being a better place to live and having lots of resources. But when you say that statistic, that is just in complete contrast. And just sticking with the theme of contrasts, in previous episodes, when we've spoken with entrepreneurs and founders, we talk about validation and research, and often it's done on, on social media or through networking, or whatever. In this case, NAV toured Iraqi refugee camps for validation, which is mind-blowing, really, in terms of maybe a forgotten population who still have values and still value things and have something to offer. And I wish anybody listening really took this from how to launch a business. So rather than just doing a bit of market research in terms of surveys or social media polls, he's actually gone out and spoken to two and a half thousand families, which is incredible. And the insights that Nav got from that were fundamental in terms of shaping the version one of the washing machine. And I think the amount of knowledge gained from that is so valuable. It's not just numbers. It's those personal stories. And that's what's really driven Nav to make the washing machine project a success. And it absolutely chimes with that great piece of advice you shared when he said, when you create something, who you're creating it for? Because he knew exactly who he was creating it for. Everyone can take something from what he did there. Yeah, and he didn't go out and over-design or over-engineer the product from the outset. He actually took that advice and that shaped, obviously, the version one of the product. And I think there's a lot to be learned from that in terms of developing a new product or service that people are taking to market is actually go and fall in love with the problem first, not the solution. Thanks, Ollie. Well, as you'd appreciate, there were no shortage of challenges. So this is what Nav had to say about some of the challenges that he came up against in particular. And the theme of resilience was very much top of Nav's list. So, you know, just to make it clear, you know, I've only spoken about the positive so far, you know, and I think you know as, as well as I do, Ollie, you know, starting your own thing is so hard. You need to have some serious resilience, you know. Like, no one's going to tell you about the 3 a.m. struggles of staying up at night and how you're going to meet payroll. And what you see is just a positive that you see on social media of all the awards and all the, all the excesses, successes. But it's actually really, really, really tough. And the thing that gets me through the challenges is, is just resilience. That kind of tunnel vision of, of not taking no for an answer and, and always finding a way. And then in terms of a specific challenge, I think it's like meeting production deadlines, I think is always always something that's like kept me awake at night, you know. It's like whether we'll make the best product that we can and because we're making hardware, there's a lot of quality stuff that we we have to go through to test if it if it works. And for me it's always giving the, the best product at the at the time. Is always the, the biggest challenge. And and most, most recently, it was the Iraq pilot that we delivered in August, which was particularly challenging. I had to move to South Wales for a month from London, and our manufacturer, like, pulled manufacturing in the last minute, so we had to single-handedly make the machines ourselves, and I had to be there uh, to make the machines 12, 13 hours a day, f- six days a week for a month it was yeah it was really tough but actually you know it worked out really well and because of that we we know so much more about our product now that we probably wouldn't have done if we outsourced that that bit of the work excellent nav and yeah just coming back to your point about resilience and you know you 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 have to be able to deal with 
all of the challenges that you'll inevitably face along the journey. If somebody was thinking of starting their own project or business, what advice would you give to them on trying to build up their resilience prior to starting? My advice to anyone trying to start their own thing is to first Google what you're trying to start. There's so much value in trying to research your idea and see if someone else has done it. I think founders get really stuck in in, in just creating and, and then don't really find out what's what's happening out there. So I think in terms of originality and finding out who's who's doing what, you'll learn so much. You know, you'll you'll see what's come on before, why it failed, and how can you do better. The other aspect of resilience building is you know talking to people about the, your idea. Quite often, especially in the early phases, people don't speak about their venture because they're embarrassed. But actually, do you know what? To be honest, no one really cares. And I think it's getting over that and trying to seek advice from as many people as as possible. Even the critics, it's so important to find out like where you stand with people, I think. And and those are my two bits of piece of advice that I'd give to anyone starting. And, And just do it, you know? start something do something now because every day is so precious great advice then i love it and and in terms of support outside of the volunteers and your current team members and the 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 organizations that you're partnering with you spoke about obviously a very deep and close relationship with your mum and your two sisters how how do they support you both emotionally and along building the washing machine project well, yeah, my mom was not very supportive of me um, quitting my job at <laughs> at the tech firm that I, that I was at in 2018. Um, but actually, she's one of my biggest supporters now. And I think a couple of weeks back, I caught her showing one of the news articles to the, to the mechanic when we were fixing our car. So my family are amazing. My friends are amazing. My partners, she's they're, they're so good. One of my founder friends and I joked, and I was saying that they should have like a course for for family members and and girlfriends and boyfriends of of founders, because actually it's really hard to be a partner or a family member for someone who's who's fa- founding their own organization. It's so hard because it's all consuming. You're literally doing this day in day out every single day i mean i used to work seven days a week 12 hours a day for two years on the washing machine project before i was persuaded to take a break you know and i think it's making sure that you have the people around you to keep you grounded you know even if it's just time away from the laptop uh time away from work i think that's really important because at the end of the day if you're not looking after yourself, then there's no organization. You know, if you want, if you if you truly believe that this is uh, an organization that should be here in a hundred years' time, then you should act like it. And that means you need to be. This is you need to do this in a sustainable way. Uh, and and you know, we're trying to build a legacy here, and we want to be here in a hundred years' time. And for that reason, you need to look after yourself. And family is so important for that. Ollie, when we were setting up with Founded and Grounded, we both felt that on social media like LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and the like, you only see the good stuff. You only see the positives, the the accolades, or the heartwarming stuff. Whereas actually nine tenths of the stuff that happens never makes it to social media. And this is the stuff that requires resilience. And that was a, a key point from that there at the beginning, wasn't it? Yeah. And we're obviously our show is all about taking the gloss off the world of entrepreneurship. 
And I think that, you know, if more people went into business with both of their eyes open, they'd be better prepared to deal with the challenges that lay ahead. He, he also said about having tunnel vision when it comes to resilience, of not taking no for an answer. It's not easy. It's not a particularly attractive prospect, but sometimes it's what you have to do, isn't it? It is. And I always talk about the kind of bounce back ability. So the amount of no's that you get along the way and actually having to pick yourself back up constantly and go out there again and continue to push forwards with your business or your project, whatever it may be, is a very hard skill to have. And I think that it is a learnt skill. So the more knockbacks you get and the more times you keep getting back up again with that energy and that enthusiasm, the more success that you're going to have along that journey. Well, it always helps when you've got family, friends, partners, whoever, who can get you through all this and who can give you the time and space to be able to pursue your dream. I think I've kicked up an idea here for a charitable foundation, which is for partners or relatives or founders and the hardships that they have to go through. It's almost as hard for them as it is for the founder because they have to almost like carry a little bit of the burden and be that sponge, if you like, for the frustrations and the disappointments. Maybe something there, isn't there? There could be some legs there or definitely a great idea for another podcast, Andrew. Certainly something that Nav does say, and he echoes something that's also we've heard in previous editions. It's about the importance of looking after yourself, taking a break from the screen, from your office, from your workstation, wherever, to to do that. And I, I love his mentality when he says, if you think the organisation should be here in 100 years' time, you should act like it. I mean, what a what a great mantra that is. Yeah, and having that long-term view of business is something that's quite hard. And I think in today's society with social media and, you know, having to react instantly, sometimes that can be overlooked. But actually taking a long-term perspective and thinking about building a legacy will enable you to build a better business. Thanks, Ollie. We're going to move towards the conclusion of our conversation with Nav, and we've covered some fantastic talking points and some really thought-provoking stuff so far. So we're just going to wrap things up now with Nav. So in this last section, where there's already been loads of great nuggets of wisdom throughout this episode so far, but Nav just has one more single piece of advice for you, our listeners. There's also a question for you, but we kick off with his aspirations for the washing machine project for the future. And it's quite an interesting vision that Nav has here. So take a listen. We are an organization that, that builds hardware products for the developing world and humanitarian settings. And in five years' time, we want to have distributed over 10,000 machines in, in 10 countries. And, and that's a very conservative approach, I think, for the market that we're trying to enter into. Uh, at the same time, we're, we're already looking at different products, whether it's off-to-grid off refrigeration, air conditioning, lighting. And so we'll have a, a, a couple of more products out there. Uh, in the next five years. So, you know, after grid refrigeration is something that we're leading with and we'll probably launch in 2023, 24. And so like this is, you know, how to create a, a fridge that uses little to no energy and maintain a three degree temperature for 24 hours. So that's the challenge that we set ourselves. And then going forward, a large majority of the world live in, live in poverty. And a hundred years ago, almost all the world lived in poverty. So in a hundred years time, the, the people that are living in poverty today are going to be as rich, if not richer than us. And they're going to want all the things, if not more than that, that we have. And so we want to be at the heart of that. 
whether that's hardware or software solutions or services, we're, we're going to be there um, helping these people find the way in this journey from unpaid labor with women to education to the workforce. We want to be in every part of the journey of, of someone living in the developing world. Amazing love. And I love what you said there about building a legacy. I think that's incredible what you're doing. Where can our listeners find out a bit more about the Washing Machine Project? We're live on all our socials, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, you can head on over to our website, thewashingmachineproject.org. There's a donate button there as well for our GoFundMe campaign, which is closing soon. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to support, you can you can donate. You can donate a washing machine. You can come volunteer. You can just talk about it as well. That's really important. So share this, share the podcast, share some of our stuff on our socials, and yeah, just continue the conversation. Don't don't let it end here. Your, your one piece of advice, I think we've probably covered it already. Unless you've got anything anything else that you'd like to share. My one piece of advice for anyone that is starting something new is quite often people are scared of failure. For that, I, I would say you're definitely going to fail. <laughs> it's somewhere along the journey in your organization. So I think you need to be comfortable with failure. And for that, make yourself accountable. And that makes you less scared, I think. This failure, you, you, you're going to learn from that failure. And I think my piece of advice in a nutshell is don't be scared of failure. Fail forwards and every failure is a, is a lesson. I jokingly said earlier about first world problems and how these are put into context by the challenges and problems that Nav's trying to resolve here. But it's a really interesting thought here, isn't it? The audience or the demographic or the community that Nav's embracing here are the consumers of tomorrow in many ways are the rich of tomorrow and i use those words in a very broad sense but naturally they're all going to come up or the hope is that they all come up and, and enjoy the same living standards that we do in more developed nations but it's a very interesting way of looking at it and it's a very long-term perspective and you've got to applaud now for having that 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 vision haven't you i can relate a lot to what he says about people in developing countries they don't want second standard products they still want the best they're they're very proud even if they haven't got much in the world and i think that's so true it's really interesting isn't it about kind of technology and how that's rolled out across the world like for example house phones like some countries completely skipped house phones and went straight to mobile phones because they didn't need to go through that stage of evolution and it's fascinating sometimes how the pace of technology influences life cycles in different countries hmm. the thing to say here is that on lots of different levels it's very forward thinking isn't it i think it's a genius invention and i think it it will make so much difference to the everyday lives of millions of people and i think hats off to nav for the the innovation and the drive and the passion for bringing this project to life there's been so many great pieces of wisdom throughout what nav's had to say but here he talks about the notion of failure because I'm sure it's something that he had to deal with on quite a few occasions, all those late nights, you know, working those seven days a week, 12 hour days for two years. I'm sure he had plenty of moments where he contemplated failure and had to, to deal with that. Uh, so, again, great advice here. I'm completely turning the notion of failure on its head. Yeah, and I think failure is a massive part of the journey of entrepreneurship and the founders have got to become more comfortable with failing. If you just ask yourself a simple question like, what in reality is the worst that can happen? And when you actually go through that scenario in your head, 
nine times out of 10, it's not actually that bad at all. I mean, unless you're doing something like brain surgery, then what what is the worst that can happen? So I'd encourage more people to get comfortable with failure and really actually treat it as an achievement rather than a failure. this point i'm delighted to bring in samantha again our community leader we come to that point of the podcast where we review the feedback that you had on our previous episode episode seven which was dominique in the world's kitchen but just before we do so i just wanted to ask samantha about one of the themes that we're discussing a moment ago and that was around resilience so i think resilience is actually a bit of a two-edged sword so i think it's one of the sort of key strengths that a lot of entrepreneurs have to have and it's really important to being successful and keeping on top of mental well-being as well but there's also I think this um, kind of negative connotation sometimes to resilience that we have to be resilient no matter what so actually my approach to resilience is to try and take a step back and be very open and honest about the situations that I'm going through as an entrepreneur. I try to talk about them and view them as as learning opportunities, but also I have a tendency of being very stubborn, very dedicated, very resilient, um, motivated to just keep going no matter what, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs will do. But I'm trying very hard, and this is my focus for this year, to actually be able to step back and know that it's okay not to be okay sometimes and you don't have to be completely resilient to everything so I think it's a bit of a pinch of salt I tend to look at the mistakes and challenges and try and see where there's learning opportunity there but also talk about them openly knowing that you're not alone with what you're going through helps you be resilient but also helps you know that it's okay to be going through that and to be struggling at times. Let's now go on to the feedback from episode seven. That was the Wolf's Kitchen where we spoke with Dominique Wolf about her wonderful sauces and snacks and how she's set up in business. And the question she posed our listeners was about the area that they enjoy most when it comes to running their business. And she gave us four options. So just, just talk us through where people enjoyed most spending their time. Sure. So I think this comes as no surprise. The four options were creative process, sales and marketing, finance and logistics. So if you're listening, I imagine you can take a guess at which one's going to come out on top here. With 68%, we had creative process taking the lead there, which I think is why most people go into business is to do what they are creative at and enjoy. The next one was sales and marketing with 18% and finance not far behind with 11% and logistics at a very low 3%, which uh, really was no surprise there. I think that's the one people struggle with a lot. I think sales, marketing, finance and logistics all tend to be least favourites in most people's businesses. And in terms of running your own business, Samantha, would you echo those preferences? Oh, 100%. I am a creative through and through. Um, Sales and marketing is sort of my expertise as well. So while I enjoy it, it it still just doesn't come on par with the creative process. Now, I've got to say, I reckon our in-house business startup guru, Ollie Collard, has got all of those four things completely where he wants them. But uh, <laughs> Ollie, can you destroy any myths there, any myths around how you balance out those four things? Are there any preferences from your perspective? 
Yeah, I mean, there will be naturally aspects of running a business that you're better at. And I think you definitely got to play to your strengths. So I think that is fundamental. But you obviously need to keep your eye on other areas of the business as well. Like to grow a business, you've got to have robust processes and operations in place. And you can't grow a business if you can't scale those processes. So I think operations is definitely key. And obviously, the cash flow and the finance of the business is also fundamental. Although you may not enjoy those aspects, you've definitely got to have your finger on the pulse there. And if you're not a numbers person or, you know, operations doesn't interest you, then you've got to ensure that you've got a good team in place or a network of trusted contacts that you can call upon to help you within those areas of the business. And just looking at the comments that people have been leaving us, one of the themes that's been coming across is simply enjoying what you do. So that does seem to be a theme coming across in the comments. Yeah, definitely. There's a big echo here in the comments of what Ollie said, that, you know, it's really important to love what you do, otherwise your business isn't sustainable. That and that creating something from scratch and seeing it come to fruition. Fantastic. Okay, well, that was the question from episode seven. Let's go to question for this episode that Nav had for you, our listeners. Bit of an interesting one, this, and very different from maybe some of the questions we've posed to date. So this is what Nav wanted to know from you yeah so this question i ask literally everyone that i give a talk to or on a podcast on which is it's a question about the way that the world is right now and compared to 20 years ago so it's in the last 20 years the proportion of the world's population living in extreme poverty has has it almost doubled remained more or less the same or almost halved right so there we go so as i said quite an interesting and different take on our regular listener questions so we'll put that information on our social so you can see it there also and respond accordingly speaking of which samantha how can people get in touch with us and respond to that and anything else they've heard in this episode sure so we're still on all the usual platforms you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram but if you listen to the last couple of episodes you'll know that we have launched a new facebook community group as well so a way to bring you all together to really talk about these challenges we have in business to share our experiences and learn together. So basically building on everything we talk about here on the podcast and getting even more involved with you, our listeners and our community. So it'd be lovely to see you come and join in the conversation. Okay then, so yes, please do get in touch. We'd love to hear from you on one of our various platforms. Thank you very much indeed to our guest this week, Nav. Amazing story. And I really hope that this is the story that's shared and that it makes people sit and think about their own contribution, their own business. Absolute pleasure speaking with Nav. And just to echo that I wish him every success with the washing machine project because I know how much difference it's going to make to millions of people out there. Great. So absolutely about businesses making a meaningful, positive difference to the world. And as you heard a moment ago, there are various ways you can get hold of that as well. So please do drop a line, say hello, give them all your encouragement and support. For now, though, that brings to a conclusion our latest edition. Samantha, thank you very much once again for being there, out there somewhere with us this morning. We will hopefully later this month see you back in the studio again. Thank you. Yes, I'm looking forward to engaging lots more with our listeners in our new group. And Ollie, to you too, great to see you, albeit through my screen, and looking forward to being back in the studio for our next episode. Speaking of which, who have we got lined up for edition number nine? 
So I'm speaking with Steve, who is one of the founders of the Trademark Helpline, which is helping businesses protect their intellectual property. Excellent. Okay, so looking forward to that and looking forward to you joining us for that also. Ollie, myself and Samantha, do appreciate the fact that you've spent 40 minutes of your week with us. We know there are lots and lots of podcasts out there. We hope you've been inspired by what you've heard today. And if so, please tell your friends, contacts and colleagues about the Founders and Grounded podcast. For now, though, that's a wrap. This has been the Founders and Grounded podcast with myself, Andrew Parsonish, also featuring the vocal and business talents of Mr. Ollie Collard and Samantha Miles. We'll be back again, as Ollie said, in a few weeks' time. But for now, please do take care. Look after yourselves. Look out for each other. And we look forward to speaking with you very soon on Founded and Grounded. For the time being, though, it's cheerio from us.